Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Powerful song. Song, it is well, is powerful in the sense that we have such great security and comfort in knowing that where our faith lies in the Lord. And regardless of the circumstances in life and the events that are transpiring, as Christian folk, we should be excited, knowing that all these things, according to the Scripture, must come to pass. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. I heard that song uh, this week, and I um, I was telling Denny I'd probably listen to it on a conservative side probably ten times uh, this week, and and each time it just got better and better. Uh, I had to contain my Baptist self, all right, because uh, it was almost uh, what some of my friends would say, Baptocostal. Uh, so, uh, but nonetheless, what a beautiful message in the song, and then it goes along kind of with what we're going to look at this morning, Luke chapter 16. I'd like to title the message this morning, To Hell and Back, To Hell and Back. A fearful and often forsaken part of Scripture um, is in regards to hell. Um, it's fearful because of the subject. Not many folk want to hear about it. Fearful because of who is actually speaking here uh, in this uh, passage, Jesus Christ himself. Now this could be overlooked uh, if it was the rantings of uh, some madman supposedly or it could be ignored as uh, the folly of some religious fanatic or it might be ignored because of uh, maybe uh, the brainstorming of some bigot and just wanting to make their point and get it across. But these words that we'll look at this morning fall from the lips of our gentle Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who would die and, and rise again, the one who is coming again. This is a presentation here of study and contrast of, of life and death, of heaven, of hell, and what a contrast it is. Luke chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse number 19. It says, And there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. 
But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from you. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of the torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you this morning, God, for being in our presence and Lord, for the ability to be able to assemble ourselves in your house to worship you. And God, we pray that it is in spirit and in truth. And Lord, how we lift our hearts and our concerns, our petitions to you for protection over your people. Lord, for Israel, for those who are standing for what is right. And God, we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them and God, as for us on this side and countless others over the world, Lord, we just pray for the burdens that they bear. God, that we would lay it at the foot of the cross. and Lord, that we would just trust you, Lord, in all that we do and all that we say and all that we try to accomplish for your kingdom. Lord, help us to have a fervency about us. Lord, to live out this message of the gospel, but also to proclaim this gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we pray you would once again speak to our hearts. God, may we take and apply what we see here today to our everyday lives. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary, that these dear folk not see me, God, but that they would see you. And for whatever you do here today, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and glory, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's just a few uh, points that I want to make uh, this morning in regards to these uh, verses. This is a familiar passage. Most all of us, we may not can say it word for word, uh, but we could paraphrase it pretty good of the the passage that we uh, just read uh, is a story that we've heard from the time that we was growing up, and, and it'll be a story that we hear, should the Lord tarry his coming, uh, until the day that we leave uh, this walk of life, about the rich man and the Lazarus. But uh, verses 19 through verse 21, we find a contrast here of their lives. Uh, it says a certain rich man, uh, very rich, as talks about purple, which was a rare and precious dye there in his time. Purple spoke of royalty. Uh, it was something that uh, only the, the who of the who would wear uh, in this uh, time period. And this fine linen it talks of, wo- uh, worth twice uh, its weight in gold. And so it was very uh, precious. It says there that he fared sumptuously. 
every day, uh, no, never in doubt as to whether or not he would have uh, his uh, daily bread. May have been even a religious man. But there was one problem that this man had. In spite of the riches and in spite of having plenty of food and in spite of perhaps even being a religious individual, he was still a lost individual. We see the certain rich man. We also see a certain beggar. This beggar was named Lazarus. Jesus calls his own sheep by name, does he not? You'll find that in John chapter 10 where he says that I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So this man was called out by Jesus here. This man, this beggar named uh, Lazarus. Some things that we don't know about this beggar. We don't know how old he was. We don't know how long he had been a beggar. We don't know what uh, these... Um, sores might be from, whether it be uh, from an ailment that he's had from childhood, whether it was something that happened later in life. We don't know these things. There was speculation concerning perhaps Lazarus at one time was a successful individual. We still don't know that for sure. That's not in the scripture. And what a contrast it is here for the people uh, the public uh, to see here here we have uh, a rich man who is uh, eating very well uh, who is dressed nice who has the finest of the fine and then we have the beggar who is laid at his gates hoping that maybe just a crumb from his table will fall and the bible says even instead of that the dogs came the dogs came to give lazarus Comfort, Isn't that something? Sometimes I think that could be a lesson for us. How often do we overlook those who are in need and we are more concerned about ourselves and our bread and our finer linens of life when there are those who are even at our gates who are suffering, who are uh, carrying uh, heavy burdens, who are sick, not only maybe uh, physically, but sick sin-wise in their life. And we just seem to walk over them, pass them by. What the public could not see, that even though Lazarus was lying at this rich man's gate, um, probably hungry, he was a beggar, so I'm sure he didn't have anything uh, to eat that was uh, of any value. He didn't have any clothes that were of any value. But what the public could not see, that... Lazarus, in spite of his circumstances, was set peace. They do not know the emptiness within the heart of the rich man. We see the contrast in their lives, but notice in verse 22. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. We see the contrast of their deaths. The beggar died. Lazarus died first. This was no uh, surprise. Uh, the, the hours of death can often be uh, surprising. The, the frailty that we have in our bodies, the endurance of our bodies, you know, we can only endure so much. No mention of a 
uh, a funeral or a burial here at all, perhaps some uh, a potter's field or a valley there where they were at. Notice also that mentions how the rich man also died, and he was buried. Now that might have been a surprise. Here's a man who had access perhaps to some what we would call health care today. This is a man who probably didn't have to worry about whether his nutrition was being met or, or whether his uh, daily intake or, or whatever the health professionals call it. Uh, he, he didn't have to worry about that. And so for him to die is perhaps a bit of a surprise as far as the public is concerned. This teaches us a few things that wealth cannot buy life. That whether we're poor, whether we're rich, that, that someday we all have, should the Lord tarry, we all have that appointment with death. And that is not to be taken lightly. I was, this week, I had an incident that, um, and I won't go into much detail, but uh, there was a lady who had an uh, automobile accident. She was um, just turned 20 uh, or 21, and, and uh, she died. She died in that car accident. And then the same week, I had a lady who was over 100 who died. You know, two weeks ago, we had a child that had died. You see all of these things, and I'm not trying to bring us down this morning. I'm just trying to make the point here that the frailty of life, that death is no respecter of persons, that someday we will all meet that appointment. And for us to live our lives, and I say us, I mean people in general, to live our lives just as this rich man who fares sumptuously every day, who has no care in this world, that we live every day as if tomorrow is promised. And it is not. Wealth cannot buy life. Notice how the, the scripture says here that it was, or that he was buried. This was probably. Keep in mind customs of this day. This was probably a big ordeal. This is not just some pauper's funeral. This is not something like what Lazarus would have had. This is not something where uh, we had to to create a GoFundMe on uh, the Facebook to to raise money to to hopefully have enough to bury someone. This was a gentleman who was buried and had uh, enough about him. It was a grand affair. Perhaps even had hired mourners to come in to mourn his death. Listing in the obituary of their day, perhaps, all of his accomplishments in life. How he had climbed this corporate ladder of success and was this great image for all to look up to. The minister may have preached him right into glory if we accustomed it to modern times. The book of Hebrews says that it is appointed unto man once to die. We all have 
that appointment. But I want us to see not only the contrast in their lives and the contrast in their uh, deaths here, but notice in verses 22 through the remainder of the chapter, we find the contrast in their experiences with eternity. A contrast in their experiences with eternity. Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Isn't that a beautiful sight? I think of that passage and the chapter and verse has left me. I know it's in the book of Revelation. Some of you probably can can quote it uh, if you know it. Uh, But in the book of Revelation, it talks about how God shall wipe away all their tears. From their eyes, and there will be no more sorrow, nor death, nor pain, nor all of these former things. For all these things have what? Passed away. I think about that scripture, and, and I can almost see the hand of God wiping the tears away as you enter into portals of heaven. And I'm sure that's what Lazarus was experiencing as he transitioned from this life to that life. Christians who die now do not go to Abraham's bosom. That was before Calvary. Aren't we glad for Calvary? Calvary does so much. Angels now carry Christians right into heaven where we'll uh, face Jesus Christ, where we'll face God uh, face to face and give an account for everything we've ever done in this life. I've likened it to going, uh, some of you probably never had this problem, but I, I went into, uh, uh, in, in my days in school, where you'd have to go to the principal's office. Most of the time, mine was for talking. Uh, I know y'all wouldn't believe I was a talker, right? Uh, but most of the time, that's what I was in trouble for. I was talking. Anyway, the principal would go, and they would pull your file. And they'd go to that file, and they'll pull that drawer out, and they'll go to my file, and it's like this thick. This is probably exaggerating, but you get the point. And I picture that as God, as he pulls our file of life. Every thought we ever thought, every deed we ever did, every, every word that was ever spoken, there is a detailed and accurate account. Is that not scary? That God keeps a record. However, thanks to Calvary, a lot of that, most of that, hopefully, is blotted out by the blood. Amen. Thanks to Calvary. The rich man, what a striking contrast. Abraham, or Lazarus rather, waking up and and seeing all that heaven has to offer. Peacefulness, serenity, comfort. No more pain, no more suffering, right? The land of no mores. But then notice the rich man. Talks about how he woke up in hell, verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. The Spirit will equip you to see, to hear, to cry, to speak. The Spirit can recognize and remember. And I wonder if perhaps part of the torments of hell, now this isn't in 
scripture. This is just philosophical thinking, I guess you could say. But I wonder if part of that torment is you hearing time and time and time and time again for all eternity where the preacher spoke of hell, where the preacher spoke of heaven, where the preacher spoke of Calvary and what Calvary did and what Calvary's purpose was. We recognize and we remember the rich man's great concern was about his lost brothers. The sad thing is his concern came when it was too late. He asked if if Lazarus could bring or or could just tip his uh, finger in water just to cool his tongue for he's being tormented. This flame. And the Lord said, No. Besides, there's a great gulf between us, and we can't get to you, you can't get to us. Then he said, Well, send them to my, or send him to my brothers that they would hear, unless they come to this place of torment. And I like what. What Christ had to say in regards to this. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And the Lord said, no. If they're not going to hear Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if one rose from the dead. His concern, this rich man's concern, surpasses the concern of most Christians today, how we no longer have this zeal about us, we no longer have this urgency about us to spread this gospel to a lost and dying world. Send Lazarus. No, the Bible is enough. Everything that we need today is contained right here in the Word of God. We don't have prophets today in the sense of of prophets as they were in the Bible. We don't have apostles today uh, as they were in the Bible. We don't need those things. We have the Word of God, the final authority. There's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that I can do. There's no, no need for no pope. There's no need for any of these others. We have the Word of God. God. And if we're not willing to believe what the Word of God says, then regardless of any degree or title that I may bear or that anyone else may bear, if we're not going to listen to the Word of God, then we certainly aren't going to listen to what man has to say. Send Lazarus. He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The preacher, how does this apply to me today? There's nothing that I can say to you, to those that may be listening, that could persuade you. I'm not a 
I'm not a persuader. Uh, someone had, in in the business world talked about you need to go see such and such and talk about your your stuff. I was like, yeah, but I'm not a salesman. You know, I tried to do insurance. I nearly starved to death. I'm not a salesman. Uh, I'm too I'm too gullible, right? I'll get a sob story and I'll end up paying their insurance premium. You know what I'm saying? And that don't it doesn't work that way. We have the word of God. And he said, if we're not willing to hear what Moses and the prophets, even Christ himself said, you're not going to be persuaded by one rising from the dead. We certainly can apply Isaiah 53. We'll probably look at that closer to, uh, to Easter. But nonetheless... Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? Now, even back then, they didn't believe the report that was given, this child being born of a virgin who would live a sinless life, who would go through cruel agony and, and beatings and beyond recognition and ultimately hanging on a cross and then being buried for three days and then rising from the dead. Who's believed our report? They don't believe Moses and the prophets. They're not going to be persuaded if one rose from the dead. Here's the message for us this morning. No man, no person, man or woman, let's be politically correct this morning, no person is prepared to live until they are prepared to die. Do we care about those around about us who may die? Sure we do. But more importantly, do we care about those who will die lost without Jesus? Lazarus cannot go tell them, but we can those who have died and gone on before us cannot come back and tell them, hey, you know, this is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Get your life in order. No, we just have what the Word of God says. And I don't know about you, but I'll take that to the bank. It's never failed me yet. And I'm almost certain that it won't fail me. Are we concerned? And if we're concerned, what are we going to do about it? Are we willing to set self aside and pride aside and, and actually witness to those around us that we come into contact with each and every day? Hey, can I tell you about this Savior? Can I tell you about the one who took the sin burden off my life? Can I tell you about the one who healed me of my infirmities? Can I tell you about the one who set my soul free? And I tell you about the one who loves you. Despite all of your imperfections, he loves you. Despite the name that you bear and the name of your family, he still loves you. Despite the name tag in the back of your clothes, he still loves you. And I'm thankful that there are no prerequisites to receiving that Great love.
going to extend a time of invitation. If you need to do business with God, this is your opportunity. If you need salvation, if you need rededication, maybe unite with this church, whatever it is. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a song. And then I will dismiss in prayer, and then um, I'm assuming you all will enter into a uh, business uh, meeting. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful, God, for Calvary. Lord, we're thankful for way to redemption that is through your precious blood. Thankful this morning that we have salvation to rejoice in, a message to proclaim God, and we pray that you would help us to have that urgency in our hearts, Lord, to spread this gospel. Lord, for those that may be carrying a heavy burden this morning, Lord, I pray that you would whisper to their heart, God, that they would just turn it over to you. Lord, if there's one that's lost, we pray that you would arrest their heart. God, that they would come to you and be saved, call out to you. Lord, that you would forgive them, and Lord, that they would live a holy and Christian life. Lord, for that one that is backslidden, God, we pray that you would call out to them as well. And Lord, if they would call out to you and repent and return to you. Lord, for whatever you do during this time, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name, amen. Yeah.